You are tuned in to KWTF 88.1 FM, Bodega Bay, and streaming live around the world on KWTF.net. This is Tristy Taylor, and we are Spilling Rubies. Because to create, one must be willing to be stone stupid, to ride upon a donkey and spill rubies from one's mouth. It's episode 28, and I am very excited to have a very special Sonoma County, California artist in the studio with me today, and you will meet her in just a moment. And I am so excited you decided to join us today, and we will talk to you very shortly.
And you are tuned in to KWTF 88.1 FM Bodega Bay and streaming live around the world on KWTF.net. I'm so glad you joined us. And I'm so glad to tell you that Susie Stonefield Miller is here in the studio with us right now. She's an artist, a writer, a mom, a wife, a teacher, a spiritual music leader, a handholder, a community builder, and an inspired life guide. And I'm so happy you're here, Susie. Thank you. Me too. Excited to be here. I'm excited that you're here, too. I've been really wanting to sit down with you on the air. We've had great chats just hanging out, but I was excited to invite you into this space to share with the world a little bit about your art and your, what I would call community healing work. I don't know if you would call it that. Yeah, I'm definitely starting to see it that way. Oh, okay, cool. Well, let's start from more or less the beginning, and maybe if you wanted to share with our listeners, how how you came to art, how you came to creating. What's your uh, creation story, so to speak? <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> My creation story. Well, I've been drawing since I was a little kid, since I could hold a pencil. Uh, we have pictures that I drew when I was really little that were actually sort of good. I drew a, drew a portrait of my grandmother that I love. She was sort of a snazzy dresser, so drew that. Um, so I, And my mother really uh, nurtured it. I took classes from the time I was like in kindergarten. So I started taking special art classes and did that all through... Um, all through my elementary school, junior high, high school years. And by the time I got to high school, I'd already been drawing from a live model, like a nude model since I was about 12. And in high school, I decided, well, I'll try an art class. And it was horrible. I'd never been graded on my art before. And I got a C. And I was seriously not a C student. But the reason was I refused to do it the way the teacher wanted me to do it. She would give us an assignment, and I just said, no, I'm not going to do it your way. I'm an artist. And so I talked to my cousin, who was an art professor at L.A. City College, I think, and um, she said, oh, just go talk to your counselor and tell him you want to draw from a nude model, and they'll freak him out (laughs) and that you want to go to the junior Santa Monica Community College. Um, So I did that. And so after one semester of teaching art, I mean, uh, taking art classes in high school, I went to the JC and started taking classes there and and then uh, went on to UCLA for my undergrad and didn't know that I was going to study art there. But then ultimately, that was what my major became. And I was an art student. But I was not really um, the kind of art student that was... Um, wearing black and black fingernail polish and you know I wasn't cutting no that was I was before I was before the time of cutting I think what year range are we talking about we're talking about 1980 so um but I just wasn't tormented you know I was sort of a well-adjusted person I guess and um I loved making art but I found that during the summers and things I just wasn't I wasn't the person who was in the studio till three o'clock in the morning killing myself to make my art. <laughs> um, I would make my art and have fun. And, and then 
it, I got to be a junior and was like, what am I going to do with my life? I'm, they didn't train me to do anything. They just, it was fun being an art major. Got to do all sorts of things. But, and I took classes from amazing artists. Like Chris Burden was one of my professors. And he is this, he just died a couple of weeks ago, I think, actually. Oh, wow. But he was an amazing performance artist. He did some total groundbreaking work where he like had himself nailed to the hood of a VW bug. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. But yes, yes. He was like this crazy sort of personality, but in class, this totally mellow guy and so inspiring. So the, I had some amazing teachers like that. Um, but then in my junior year, I just tried to figure out what I wanted to do. And I decided I couldn't be an artist because I didn't want to be a waitress. And that was really all I could sort of imagine doing from there. And so I went and got a teaching credential. I mean, actually, what happened before that was I went and talked to one of my professors, my painting professor, and he, because um, I was sort of having like a crisis about being an artist. And he said, you need to get mad. You know, technically, you're a great artist, but you don't get emotional in your work. So you need to go get mad, get mad at me, get mad at your mother, whatever, go get mad. And I want you to work from that place. So I went back to my apartment and I taped paper up to my wall and I did some, now I know, expressive art. Um, I would bring it, I was a senior, I was bringing this stuff to my critiques and my, my you know, peers, other students were like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> because I'd been technically extremely proficient in every medium I was doing wow. and suddenly looked like, She's gone off the deep end. But um, it saved me, at least as an art major, you know, to finish out my career in school because um, I needed that. I needed to express it. And he was right. I was pretty uptight about it. But I also decided to be a teacher, to go get my teaching credentials. So I went to Berkeley, did that. And I brought art into the classroom. I mean, I felt like it was... After Prop 13, the schools were gutted of art programs, and I play guitar and sing. And so I would teach music and art and drama, three of my passions, and, you know, reading math and blah, 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 everything else. But um, that was sort of what happened. It, I dropped making art. I did have an easel and paints and stuff in my apartment, but I didn't do a, a whole lot with it. And then, you know many years, years passed, well, I taught for many years, and then I had ki I got married and had kids, and I learned, taught myself how to sew and knit and all these different things, and crafts became sort of my art and raising my kids. And um, I actually took a little detour at one point. I stopped teaching, because it was really hard to teach and have kids, I just couldn't keep the schedule. And I became an architectural color consultant. What is that? I helped people pick paint colors for their houses. Oh. And uh, it was really fun. And, um, and it was using my art, you know, using my eye, my artistic eye, to help people pick colors to paint their houses. And they loved it. They loved what I did. And the part that was hard for me was the therapeutic part. I had no idea how emotionally charged it was to pick paint colors, but it was. So um, that was an interesting little thing. And then that was all in the East Bay. And then we moved up to Sonoma County. And I 
homeschooled my kids and all these things changed in my life. 10 years go by. Uh, my husband lost his job. He's an engineer and he was working in Santa Rosa and his company was dissolved by the mother company, the mothership. And <clears throat> suddenly I was sort of looking at uh, what I was doing. My kids were aging, sort of not aging out of homeschooling exactly, but one was 20, one was seven, 16, and one was about 13. And they didn't need me to be, you know, spending as much time with them. And I suddenly decided, okay, I want to do something now. I want to bring income in. But when I looked at what I could do, knit, make jewelry, so <laughs> teach, I refuse to go back to the classroom. I think the schools are such a disaster now. Um, I just couldn't, there was like, I couldn't figure out what I could do. And a bunch of people in my life said to me, you do everything you do well. Just do something you love. You you can do it. Just choose something. And so I had been art journaling for myself. And a friend of mine had been begging me to teach her how to art journal. So I said, I'll just try teaching some art journaling classes. Had no idea really what that meant. Um, I'd only done it by myself in my, you know, in my little office. And for listeners who don't know what you mean by art journaling, can you give a little yeah. breakdown? Yeah. So art journaling is different from keeping a sketchbook. You use a sketchbook or any book for it, but it is, at least in my practice. It's a heart-centered, expressive, artistic practice. And this is what I tell people who come to what I have. Now I have a studio. So I tell people it's a no-rules artistic process. And you don't have to know anything about art. You don't have to know about color or composition or technical drawing skills. It's really about just putting your emotions out on the page. It's very cathartic. And I had been doing it um, for myself because, well, I had seen it online and thought it was sort of intimidating but intriguing. And a friend of mine did it, and that inspired me to try. Um, and I found it to be, when I started, I found it to be absolutely addicting. Like, as soon as I started doing it, every time something would bubble up in my life, I would think I have to go art journal about this because it was such an effective way to express myself. And I would spend hours on my art journals. So that was why my friend who saw them wanted to know how to do it. Um, and the other thing I want to say is that I had gone through a very long, difficult period. One of my kids had um, chronic medical issues and had a series of 15 surgeries over eight years. And going through that with him was excruciatingly difficult and exhausting. And I didn't have a lot of energy for pretty much anything else. Um, and I was looking, well, I wasn't looking for an outlet, but at the same time that my husband lost his job, my son had his final surgery, like had had it a couple months before that. So we were, we were like on a new path. He was 
free and clear. He was better. We didn't have to worry about it anymore. It was done. And so because that was behind me, I felt like this creative tidal wave just rushed into my life. And and not just the art journaling. I started having like a million ideas of what I could do with my life to bring money in, to be an entrepreneur. I'd never wanted to do any of these things. And suddenly after somebody, you know, after my friend said, you can do anything you want. It's like, okay, I can do anything I want <laughs> and I'll be good at it. And I, so I was. <laughs> so I started teaching this art journaling class and uh, I just advertised it on Facebook and said, free art journaling class for women. Um, I think it was like six. I could fit six around my kitchen table. And they just had to pay for art supplies. And I bought some art supplies. And it filled up, I mean, on Facebook in like two hours. Everybody signed up. (laughs) And they came. And I taught them some basic things with it. And I wasn't at all sure how to go about it. And had a prompt a couple times. And and I, it was a struggle for me internally. I don't know how much they noticed that I was struggling. But basically, I went through several sessions of this, like six-week sessions. And then I decided I should teach this to teenage girls because teenage girls need to focus on their body image, and their self-image, and this is such a great expression, place to express it. And since I'm in the homeschool community in Sonoma County, I just posted again on Facebook and again filled up a class really fast and started teaching this girls class. And about that time, decided I need another space, found a room at the back of my synagogue in Katadi congregation near Shalom, which used to be the Katadi Cabaret, and it's a cool old building. Um, so I'd rent this room one day a week and pack all my stuff up and unpack all my stuff, which was a drag. And then after a few months, I said, could I rent this room full time? And it just worked out perfectly. They said yes. So I moved in. Like, you've seen it. I've it's beautiful. seriously moved in. It's so beautiful. It is. It's a magical space. It's full of art supplies. Like, everything you could possibly imagine or want, you've got in yeah. a little box somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And even more. <laughs> yeah, stuff you didn't know you needed. Seriously, people say all the time, do you have? And I'm like, yeah, right over here. <laughs> it's happened so many times that people can't, like, they just know. Susie has it. Um, it, it, I, you know, I have to say this was not a lifelong dream. This was not something I've always planned to do. It evolved, it unfolded. And that's why I call my studio unfold. Mm. It just unfolded. And, um, I, I could have gone down some other path, but this was the path I, I went down. So, People, I started advertising and I put up flyers. It's actually extremely hard to advertise for local events. Like, where do you do that? Yeah, in this day and age. Yeah, it's very strange. Everybody checks different things, you know, so there's no one place. Like, we used to have the newspaper, you know, and everyone checked the newspaper if they wanted to find something to do that weekend. But now it's like Craigslist, Facebook, Twitter. Like, everyone, I only check email, you know, like everyone has their own way of checking and if you don't cover all your bases you miss a, you know a section of people yeah and at a certain point I just let that go like yeah okay I guess I'm just not gonna get those people <laughs> if they're looking in a different direction yeah but you know coffee houses mm-hmm. and uh earthy crunchy women's stores <laughs> 
because <laughs> that's my population. You know, that's what I'm looking for. And you said you, you focus mostly working with women. And I wanted yeah. to ask you about that, that choice and why why you feel the need for that. Well, it's funny. There's a little part of me feels a little guilty. <laughs> um, I raised three sons. That's, you know, my oldest is almost 22. And... Um, and I have to say, they're, son, they're men who are emotional and can talk about their feelings because I did a good job, you know. <laughs> and they have a sweet, wonderful, gentle dad. But um, I, I guess I needed some estrogen, you know. I needed some women in my life. And I really felt like this was work that called to women, expressing yourself. And what I've discovered is, oh, my God, I had absolutely no idea how much women needed it. And it wasn't just an outlet for creativity, which is what they need, but to own their creativity. Mm. This has been such an evolution of learning for me. And what I have learned foremost is that what I'm doing is giving women who have never felt ownership over their creative selves ownership you know they just didn't someone told them you're not an artist you're not artistic you don't have artistic talent or you know so many people have told me um they were in choir and someone told them not to sing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so they stopped singing for the rest of their lives yeah yep. that's tragic and for me you know i never felt that way i always owned my inner artist i always felt creative and artistic and So it didn't occur to me. I mean, that was naive, but it didn't occur to me until women, one woman after another came into the class and said, I'm not artistic. Mm. And so I've really learned how to hold that space for them. And so I hold space for tender hearts and guide inner artists. That's, That's my passion now. And it's amazing what has happened for these women. Um... My studio has been open a little over a year, and some of my students have been devoted students for that entire time. And they, there was the other night we were, I was sitting around looking at my students, and every single one in the room had come in and said, I've never taken an art class before, and I'm not artistic. And every single one by this point was really owning their artist, artistic side, their, their muse and felt power and empowered in their journals and were now coming to their pages with, if not a plan, which you know I don't necessarily recommend having a plan before you start, but at least knowing, feeling confident. So feeling confident with the materials or if they had some idea pop up, they could execute that in their, on their page and be really proud of it. And also along with that has come some some magic in their lives so one of them um decided because of something she started to really explore in her journal she decided i want to move my family to hawaii so you know next week they're moving to hawaii totally changing their lives and trusting in faith really that they'll they can figure it all out there another one discovered in class that one of her heart's desires was to to live in the redwoods and that precipitated a you know an exploration into moving into another house and getting 
just getting some dreams fulfilled. And one of my other students just completed a memoir in my art journaling class. She would like type up the story at home and come to class and do an illustration for it. Wow. Yeah. So that's been powerful. That's been just amazing, amazing to do that for people. And you are tuned in to KWTF 88.1 FM Bodega Bay, streaming live around the world on KWTF.net. And I'd like to let you all know that KWTF is supported by a grant from the Stan Roy Music Center and the Redwood Justice Fund. How about you? Do you support KWTF? And if you don't, why not? It's so easy. And in fact, this month of July is a great time to become a member of KWTF because we have a very generous anonymous donor who is willing to double whatever anyone wants to donate. So if you go on to kwtf.net and click on that donate button and say you decide to give $10 a month, that's what I give to KWTF. It's very easy. It just gets taken out of your checking account. This anonymous, generous donor will make it $20 a month. If you want to give a it's amazing. And it's uh, something you, everyone should take advantage of if you are not a current member of KWTF. So go to kwtf.net, click on that donate button, and support your local community radio station that supports creativity and magic and all the local artists and musicians that you love. So now we're going to listen. Is this a, yeah, more Mindy Smith? Wonderful. And this song is called Hurricane from her album One Moment More.
And you are tuned in to KWTF 88.1 FM Bodega Bay and streaming live around the world on KWTF.net. You just heard Mindy Smith, which our guest Susie Stonefield Miller just brought in to share. She's been grooving to the the country, <laughs> the country ladies lately when she's been in her studio. I have indeed. It actually started with a Spotify playlist called your favorite coffee house. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of coffee house. Yeah. Rainy day coffee house music. Exactly. Get your cappuccino and come on over. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's always tea in my studio. So there you go. It's your studio house. is so welcoming. I was so glad that I got to visit. And um, I still want to come and do. I know. It's my life kind of fell apart. This. <laughs> I know, but you have a lot more to journal exactly. about. Exactly. <laughs> I know. I have a lot to bring in. I'm going to bring in all my baggage. Seriously. And I'm going to drop it out on the table. Yeah. Ooh. It is. Well, that's what journals, the art journaling is really for. I mean, people come in. There, I actually have a thing I say, which is uh, Kleenex is just as important a supply in this room as paint because at the end of every class, the class is about three hours long, and for the last half hour, we share. So what happens is we go around the room, and each woman will present her book. And it's optional. Not every, you know, not everybody does it. Most people do, though. But um, you don't have to. And we all look at the book, and then the artist talks about it, and then we comment. And what happens is this beautiful, supportive women's circle forms of all ages of women. And so from, you know, 18 to 78, honestly, has happened. And so we, what happens is, you know, women are sharing their stories. They're sharing from their hearts, and they're processing really personal stuff and I'm so amazed at how open and authentic people are in that room and they've told me you know this is sacred space so they hold it that way it's really positive really supportive we're not critiquing anyone's work people are inspiring each other with um, the materials they've used how they've used them and also their stories and when they say this is my story they're seen and heard and other people say yeah I know exactly how that is and it's it's beautiful it's really a beautiful thing that happens in there and how do you think that sacred space is created like what is your role in it what is the space's role in it what are the people presence role in it how do you create sacred space when making art I think that a lot of it comes from the fact that when I bring people in I keep I really have this mantra of there's no rules there's no mistakes there's only opportunities um and 
I encourage women to get out of their heads and into their hearts. And I say, you know, women in particular carry so much responsibility and we don't allow ourselves to play anymore. It's all serious business. It has to have some useful outcome. Any endeavor we have has to have an outcome or an agenda. And in this space, let it all go. Just let it go. So women come in and... um, I tour them around, show them all the materials, and then get them set up. And then I say, you know, the best place to start is from a place of I don't know where I'm going. Mm. And start with color and just go over to the paints and see which colors say, use me, use me. You know, they wave their arms at you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And put those on your paper. And don't worry about whether or not they go together. Just don't worry. And... um, we have lots of ways of moving the paint around the page, but I say, use your fingers, get rid of the middleman, mm. <laughs> because you feel the energy of your heart in your fingers when you allow it to be there. And you don't worry about it if it's a landscape or an authentic picture of a you know yourself or whatever. It's just color mushed around the page. And in, invariably, first-time students say, this looks like kindergarten. It's like, fine. That is totally great in this room. And everyone supports everyone who goes through that process. I also think part of this, what happens is because I have ongoing classes. I have three ongoing classes a week. And so every week, almost every single class, there's a new person Mm -hmm. in the room. And your first class is free. So that's enticing. And a lot of people will come and just try it out. And um, so when a new person's there, the other people are already holding the space Mm. you know so some of them have been holding it for a year right right they really get it yeah it really I mean it being in the back room of synagogue aside it feels (laughs) very when I was in your space it it felt like church to me in that sense of Mm. a a spiritual gathering place Mm -hmm. and it doesn't surprise me at all that um people have been coming for over a year and that it's it's a part of their practice you know whatever you want to name it spiritual creative healing practice um that it's it's you know part of their lives and they've they've woven it into their lives which is such a gift that you give them that's really fantastic i've had their husbands thank me (laughs) What Just, do they say? <laughs> they say, thank, thank you for what you've done for my wife. Mm. So they, people in their lives really feel the shift and the yeah, change. They see it. They see what happens when someone embraces their creative side and owns it and recognizes it. Maybe, maybe the best part is recognizing it for the first time. I do have women who come who all have an artistic practice. They love it just as much because in my studio – they don't have any of the expectations that they have in their own studios. Yes, yes. You know, so they, I say let go and they listen. And um, and it's such a relief. It's freedom. And so it's freedom and creativity and, you know. And I am a spiritual music leader also at the synagogue. I, I help lead ser- services and um. That is important to me. I don't bring spirituality in specifically, but but I know how to create a, a spiritual space, I think. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's a place you're comfortable yeah. 
facilitating and holding. Yeah. And there are twinkly lights. Yeah, there are, and they're cute. <laughs> like, I, I turn them on even when I'm there by myself. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It helps. It is. Yeah. It's a really, really beautiful space. I definitely encourage people to visit it. Yeah. Um, and I wanted, we were talking about various transformational ways of healing through this work. And I know that you're currently facilitating a workshop based around body image stuff. I wore my Love Your Muffin Top t-shirt. I love your shirt. I need one. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So I definitely, as all women do, I think, have had my own uh, body image issues Mm -hmm. and continue to have them. It seems like it's a lifelong journey. Like I'm certainly so much stronger and healthier and more loving of my body than I've ever been. And yet there's still a lot of work to do. I know. It's our lovely culture. Yeah. It's so sad. Yeah, I mean, that's where I came from. I had, I have loved myself, but hated parts of my body for as long as I can remember. And so uh, actually what happened was I was invited to do a studio and like an open studio of my work. And I started to create some new work out of a journal on panels and it became an exploration of my body shape and shame. And those were the pieces that used maps, yes. right? I love those pieces. Thank you. Yeah, I, collog- I used collaged map pieces to form the shape of my body, different parts, and then journaled about it on the panel. And um, so many women came to that show and said, that is incredible work. I'm so in awe of you for talking about it. And so that weekend, this was just in April, that weekend I decided, um, okay, I think we need to do some work with this. So I created a program called the Body Passion Project and launched it and it sold out. And so we've, we're in, tonight is uh, the fourth week of it. And oh my goodness. (laughs) Opened a serious can of worms. I the first night I got home from class and didn't couldn't sleep. I was so rattled by the power of the emotions that wow. were in that room. Wow! And um, I have we've been doing very uh, directed journaling activities and guided meditations, and the topics have been you know looking at your body like a landscape. Um, wabi-sabi which is such an incredible Japanese aesthetic of honoring the flaws Mm -hmm. and then kintsukuro-i which is the next part of it which is where they fill the cracks in pottery cracked pottery with gold Mm -hmm. so for instance the art journaling prompt that night was you know find your flaws and line it with gold Mm -hmm. you know do your page from that perspective um, we also did inhabiting your body. I mean, women spend a lot of time not being in their bodies because they can't bear it. Right. So that work, um, the territory that I have wandered into with that work is really powerful. And I know women are um, asking me to do more work like this and in other areas too. What other right. areas? Um, around um, illness, you know, and recovery, um, around um, loss, and um, 
you know, and relationship, things like that. There's stuff is starting to, I'm starting to notice threads come up and people are wanting, you know, some people want to come to the regular classes. They don't go quite so deep and dark. Um, some people do on their own, but the sort of general feel in a regular class is not quite so intense. But, um, but I've wandered into this territory and realized I need to be doing, this is healing work and I need to be facilitating it more. So I'm going to go get more training. I know that's so exciting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to work with Natalie Rogers in her program, the wow. person centered expressive arts program. Cool. So, yeah. yeah. I'm very excited. Yeah. It's and a, who knew? Who knew that this was going to lead you to a new place of unfolding? Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. it's, that word comes up not just for me, but everyone in that room. It's amazing. And so I th I've been thinking a lot while we've been talking about intuition, about the flow, about l listening to the guidance that comes through and differentiating between the voices that come with criticism or negativity mm. or judgment as opposed to, or the voices of fear of get out, get out. You're going to die if you keep <laughs> doing this art. <laughs> And then the the voice that says, oh, what's this? How about this? Have you thought about this? I'm interested in this. And when I describe it that way, it seems easy to differentiate. But living it, I personally find it's such a process to be able to untangle those voices and pull out what is truly coming from what I feel is a spiritual place, that, that intuition, that flow, um, what what I imagine guided you to this next choice for your life and what and how you want to be present for your future students and so I was just wondering if you had any feelings or thoughts about untangling those different voices I think well I've done pages um, where I write down all the things my inner critic says to me and it's fun to do that because it really is like a, a dividing line. Like I create a box, I put it all in there, and then I can put it away. We've even done activities where I've had people like journal a page with a picture of their inner critic monster or whatever, and then write all the things down. And then we go put it in the hall outside the classroom. Oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> like, uh, I love that. I heard Orly Avenieri say once, you know, the mind does not play well in you know in this playground, so take the mind out. She's a, a art journalist I love, mm -hmm. and um, so that's what I tell people: just turn that off, get out of your head, get into your heart. And every time your head, you know, peeks in or speaks up, let it go. Say thank you very much. Don't need that. That's how I work, um, almost always from an intuitive place. Um, and that's that place of not knowing, not having the agenda. Right. And so I think it's about awareness. The more you can be aware that that's your mind speaking, not your heart, and you go back to your body, you go back to what, what your sensations are and let them guide you and also turn off the judgment. I mean, oh, women are seriously good at judging each other and themselves. Mm -hmm. So it takes practice. 
Um, but, but they learn how to do it, to turn off the judgment and allow it, just allow whatever comes out on the page. I also show lots of examples of pages where I got to a certain point and said, like a page where I did these fairies and I didn't have any idea why. And then I let it go. And a couple months later came back to it and had sort of an epiphany about what it was about and journaled on it and did all this other stuff. Months and months later, had a tarot reading done. Oh my goodness. And I started <laughs> thinking about that page and it was like the representation of this reading. It was sort of freaky. Wow. But it basically was about my intuition because of course you can read all those things, you know, however you want. And and so it's just listening to it. And your intuition often is a foggy, foggy mess. That's okay. Right, right. It's not going to, it's not necessarily a clear bell ringing or a giant red neon arrow pointing <laughs> to the next place. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> yeah, it would be great. <laughs> That'd be boring, actually. <laughs> right. I know. Then it'd be oppressive. Like, yeah. oh, really? I'm not going to go that way. <laughs> right. Then you'd have conflict with your yeah, <laughs> intuition. Totally. Yeah. But I love what you said that the great place to be with that question is, is this coming from my mind or my heart? Or am I in my body right now? Or, you know, does this have a judgmental tone to it? Maybe I need to step back and, and reassess what this message is or what this feeling is or what this idea is. I love that um, that way of differentiating because I, I definitely have my own critics as we all do um, I think we actually talked about this when we were hanging out in your studio but um, it was so empowering for me to name all the facets of my critics because there's a whole family of them <laughs> and uh, one of the first ones I identified was Goethe and she's this German like yes, dominatrix <laughs> And she's just like a workaholic. She's the workaholic in me who it's never enough. I'm never right. doing enough. Like those dishes are dirty and you should go wash them before you paint. Again. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, you know, through a lot of the work that I've done in my life, especially like working with Carl Jung's teachings and Jungian dream work, knowing that even the most shadowy character has a gift. And so it's helped me a lot. Instead of like just banning Goethe, although I love making her go outside. I'm like, go pull some weeds, Goethe. And she's like, oh, okay, I pulled the weeds. You know, like she loves jobs, you know, like yeah. if I can keep her entertained, then I can paint and relax. Um, so it was nice for me to kind of understand where those characters can be helpful you know that they're not just here to sabotage and destroy that mm -hmm. they actually all stem from a place of trying to take care of me you know that all of those voices come from that place of wholeness I think yeah and uh, it's a similar thing I lift uh, weights and that's where I'm going after this and uh so I talk about the mind dragons in the gym because there are these sort of, it's really one dragon with like five heads <laughs> and it always just sort of, and it's very slithery and reptilian and like just when I'm about to lift a really heavy weight over my head, it like slithers in. It's like, you're going to drop that and you're going to become a paraplegic, you oh know, my. like, like the scariest, yeah. most awful thing that I do not want to be thinking about when I'm about to, you know, put 150 pounds over my head. <laughs> 
But then I realized, so I was like, where can I send these dragons? Because they are not welcome in the gym. And I realized that they're, they're very hyper alert and they're all about protecting me. So I was like, you know where you are great is when I'm driving. You can like keep me safe from like the weird speeding teen and the drunk farmer in his pickup, you know, like <laughs> you're perfect for that. You're hyper alert and aware and can like keep me safe. So I just send, I give him a little murder mystery and I'm like figure out who the killer is. And I send them to the car and they hang out like all sprawled out on the top of my car, like in the sun, like sunning themselves and reading their murder oh, mystery. Oh my goodness. You need to make like an animated movie totally. like this. <laughs> would be great i know i have drawn them many times you have yes in my notebook yeah such a great idea i love that you've given them all these personalities (laughs) now the question is do they listen and go out to the car yeah yeah sometimes they do most of the time they do wow and i think it's because i'm not just like you know kill the dragon you know slice their heads off because you know five heads will grow in one in place you know i heard about that And, you know, finding the the gift, you know, finding that there it, this part of me is not bad and wrong. It's just in the wrong place in my life. And that that helps communicate with them more. That that gives them less power and it gives me more power. Um, and I don't have to deny a part of myself. Right. You know. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That sounds like beautiful work. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so fun to kind of like name them and give them characters. Like meeting Gerda, I was like, look at you, you yeah. dominatrix. Yeah. She had like big like leather boots on, but she'd be like <laughs> scrubbing the floor in her leather boots. Like just like, Gerda, my goodness, don't you ever relax? Not when there's work to do. Okay. Okay, Gerda. <laughs> I, dra- I might try that tonight. Actually, the page that I think of is um, I did all I did was uh, at the title. The I mean, at the top, the title is my quotable inner critic. And then I just did all the best quotes from my inner critic and looking at them sort of disembodied them. Right. To at right. least remove them from my body. And uh, that's an entertaining page for me. I, I like to go back because those voices still come up. But I remember having put them down there and that's like okay stay on that page and go back to that page yeah and they're in their scene now like they're not hidden right. you know that kind of you know they say in AA that you're only as sick as your secrets and I think that's a similar thing like when we don't speak about it um it, it can be big and looming and yeah. overwhelming and scary but just the simple act of like writing all the negative thoughts down, it shifts it. It really does. You can also see the ridiculousness right. in it. Exactly. Like, really? That's not true. I know that's not true. <laughs> I know sometimes I feel like that's true, but no, not. Yeah, it helps you kind of imagine too, like, would I ever say these things to another person? And it's mm. like, I never would. Like, even my worst enemy, I wouldn't yeah. be saying this kind of stuff. And yet I say this kind of negative stuff to myself every day. Well, that's what we're going to do in class tonight is, you know, sort of befriending our bodies. Because actually we've been doing something this past week. One of the homework assignments was fake it till you make it. So look in the mirror, positive affirmation, just say one thing that you love about yourself and notice that. And don't let, don't even voice the negative thing. Cause of course we could all think of a long list. Yes. Of that. <laughs> and, but let's not do it and see if you can shift your eyes. If you can have new eyes and you can, 
I mean, there have been studies, there's all sorts of inspiring quotes from interesting philosophers and psychologists about it. And that's what we're attempting. And to be friends, exactly what you said, we would never treat another woman the way we treat ourselves mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or or use those words although i will say women are very judgmental of each yes. other yeah definitely but it's really just that's just projection right so right i also find too like um when i discovered the fat activist movement which was really you know in fat in this sense is really being used as you know a descriptor term just like thin thin is not negative or positive fat is not negative or positive and um there's a whole movement online if anyone is interested and just you know search fat activism and you'll have a plethora of resources including images and that was a huge shifting point for me like I'd already stopped reading you know Hollywood magazines and stuff I knew that was bad for me I didn't I wasn't interesting to me anymore but then you know, when Tumblr kind of came around and there's all these like amazing like 18, 19, 20 year old women who are just posting photos of them and their clothes they want to wear with the bodies that they have and just saying, you know, F your beauty standards is a popular hashtag mm-hmm. you can search on Tumblr. And um, and now I just went you know, in my blog, you know, aggregate software that I use, you know, I just fill it with these amazing tumblers of these women that are sharing what they find beautiful. And it's really, really shifted my paradigm majorly in what I consume, the images I consume. I also think there are a lot of women doing body image adjustment programs out there, you know, rather than diet, it's about accepting and loving your body. There's the body image movement and the body is not an apology. Those are all you know websites you can go to where and then there, and um I love it I feel like I'm in this in sort of this crest of this wave mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in having started this class yeah. and women but I will say it is not easy and it's not going to be quick right women right. Well, Susie Stonefield Miller, how can people find you and your work and your workshops? What can tell us your resources online where people can find you? Just look for a flyer. No, um, <laughs> go to your local if coffee you're, shop. If you're lucky, and look at the bulletin board. <laughs> I'll have someone at, won't have taken my postcard down. That's right. <laughs> um, uh, my website is unfoldart.com. So that's easy. Unfoldart.com. And I have a list of classes there. And I'm also on Meetup. And oh, it's good. Art Journal Sonoma County at Unfold Studio. So if you just did Sonoma County and art journaling, you would definitely find me. Um, and your studio is in Katati. And my studio is in Katati, which is just north of like Petaluma, basically in south of Santa Rosa. Only an hour from the Bay Area. Yeah, it's an easy drive. It's really not far. And first workshop is free, so people can come check out your studio and right. see if they jive with the scene. Right, and I have three ongoing classes a week, although the schedule's a little wonky this summer because of summer. Um, but generally speaking, yeah, we have other fun workshops. Like this weekend, we're having a slumber party in the studio. Fun! Yeah, so people have been begging me, we want an all-nighter, so. <laughs> wow, hardcore! Seriously. <laughs> I think I'll probably go to bed before everybody yeah, else. Like, I curl up this. in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. Um, 
But yeah, please come check out my website. I have uh, videos, tutorial videos. I have uh, galleries of my pages and some of my students' pages and a video with a tour of the studio. So you get sort of a sense of oh, how yeah. amazing it is. People literally walk in the door and their jaws drop. That's what <laughs> happened to me. I was amazed. It's a super, super place. Yeah. So, yeah. And you're a super, super person. Thank you. Oh, I'm also on Facebook. Yes, good. Find me there. Find Thank it you. all. You're a super person, Tristy. <laughs> Tristy Taylor in your muffin top t-shirt. <laughs> With my muffin top underneath. Yeah, me too. <laughs> well, thank you so much You're for welcome. visiting. I'd like love to have you back. Maybe when you, Yeah, when you have when you unfold more and have one to share some new things, I'd love to have you back. More expertise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even more. And thank you everyone for tuning in to Spilling Rubies. We are bringing episode 28 to a close. Uh, Please support KWTF. Go to kwtf.net and click on that donate button. And we're so glad that you're here and you're part of this. And I will see you next week.